right, so we are continuing. I'm wanting to close out this series of confessing the sins of the IFB. I'm going to really, I got to try to preach two messages tonight. I don't like dragging series out. I want to get it done, but I hope you all will allow me tonight to uh, not even to just kind of preach in a way I normally would. I really need to just kind of, you know, share some testimony and get some stuff off my chest too, okay? This is just very uh, important stuff. And I've got a lot on my heart, so bear with me as I try to get through all of this. But um, tonight's subject we're covering about sins in the IFB is politics and manipulation. And these are really two subjects I'm going to try to cram them together because they go together. And I want to start off by illustrating this story in Galatians chapter 2 where the Apostle Paul said, But when Peter was come to Antioch, verse 11, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. You know what? We need to get back to in the IFB church more withstanding people to the face. Meaning, you actually go to the individual and you address the individual, okay? Withstanding to the face is not grandstanding around all of your people and all of your associates and talking about them when they're not around, when they've never heard from you, okay? Now, we've all probably been guilty of that before, but I've just determined from now on, I am not going to do that kind of thing unless I go to the person first or at least make an attempt. And by the way, I made an attempt this week to contact somebody who'd been bashing me and they just ignore me. So you know what? When I talk about them tonight, they can't be like, why did you talk to me first? I tried and they absolutely ignored me. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm bringing it up. All right. I'm bringing it up. They, they deserve it. Uh, but and this is a person I like, but I did. I tried to withstand them to the face because they were to be blamed. All right. But then it says, for before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with them, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the man of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? In this story, what we're seeing here is Peter, who was a great Christian, he's giving in to political pressure. Peter is doing something he wouldn't normally do. He's doing something that is not from the heart. This is not something that he really believes in. But Peter is going along with something that he is not even for because he's trying to please the Jews. And the Apostle Paul realizes that Peter, in you giving in to these people and going along with this, you're sending a wrong message. You're, you're giving people the wrong idea and so the Apostle Paul stands up and right to Peter's face before everybody. He calls him out on it. And he says, you're wrong on this area. And sure enough, Peter was wrong. And then we all know what happened. Peter acted like somebody in the IFB and he cried about it. And he, you know, they started marking each other and marking each other and marking each other. No, that's not what they did. Even Peter, when he talked about the Apostle Paul, he referred to him as a beloved brother Paul. Because these were big boys. When they had a disagreement... They could hash it out and move on. And that's what big boys do. Uh, little boys and you know, ladies, they get mad and hold grudges, and they never get over it. Okay, that's the difference. All right, sorry, ladies, but uh, you, you know how that stuff goes. All right, scorned women, all that stuff. I didn't come up with this stuff. But anyway, so in the IFB world, there is great fault when it comes to this area of politics. It is true. There are truly few IFB churches that are actually independent. A lot of the goofy stuff you see going on in IFB churches today 
And you talk to these pastors too. And many of you in here have been in IFB churches before where you've talked to pastors where they are clearly wrong. It is so easy to show them from the Bible why they are wrong, and yet they don't seem to want to listen. And I'm just going to tell you right now as a pastor, here is why. Politics. Politics. If they get these things right, they are in big trouble with their preaching buddies. They're not going to get asked to preach at the big conferences anymore. They're going to have people say bad things about them. Somebody might write a passive-aggressive story about them in the Sword of the Lord. Sword of the Lord doesn't call out anybody by name anymore. You know, they just kind of do it, you know, in passing. And everybody who's like really connected knows. And they get all shook up about that stuff. But they're terrified of that. And so they just go along with things. They do that. Some of the practices they have in their church that they don't even really need. But they, they will never get rid of them because they can't handle the political pressure. They, they, they wouldn't know what to do. You know, their people would lose their mind if they, you know, after preaching a sermon about sodomites, didn't have an altar call. I mean, really, when you're preaching at sodomites, I hope you don't need an altar call after that because, I mean, what, you know, what's wrong with your people right there? But sometimes people need to know the truth about that, you know, so they understand, don't accept these things. There's people in the IFB, they'll preach messages against the sodomites and then they have an altar call, you know, and then it's just like, why are you even doing that? Because they'll get labeled a liberal if they don't do it. It's politics. That's why this stuff's going on. And I'm just telling you, most of this stuff, they are, these are people just, they're not going to do anything that's actually independent because they will get attacked by the IFB mafia. And there is an IFB mafia. Okay, I'm sorry. It's there. I've experienced it before. Okay, I, I've experienced it many times. But you know, I do, I still refuse to drop the IFB label I'm not going to drop it just because of people who use it while not actually being independent. I mean, they're the ones that should be dropping IFB. I'm the one that's actually independent. I'm the one that actually practices it. But yet, at the same time, somehow, Tommy McMurtry in the small town of Rock Falls and Little Church, somehow I managed to get a lot of attention I don't even really shoot for. I'm just going to tell you that right now. In fact... And this is where I'm just going to share some testimony because recently at the Trendy Fest in Las Vegas, Nevada, known as Idea Day, all right, this is a big conference they have. All the trendies get together and uh, they learn about the latest and greatest, you know, uh, style and skinny jeans and pink shirts and things you're going to wear. So you can be more hip and trendy and more people come to your church. Uh, I don't think they really do that there, but uh, that's what I picture in my head uh, when I see the pictures of the people there. But... At that conference this year, um, me, you know, Tommy McMurtry, pastor of a small church in Rock Falls, you know, I was one, I got named at that conference. I'm going to read a quote uh, by Nathan Cravette, one of the recovering fundamentalists that really, I mean, it is funny that I got named in this, you know, this statement he made because anyone who knows me knows this could not be more false. So here's what he said. He said, are you really independent fundamental Baptists? And this is after he named a bunch of preachers. He named a bunch of preachers. I was one of them. And he said, are you really independent fundamental Baptists? You're not. And it's time you're honest about that. Just get honest about that. Everybody's getting excited. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and the thing is, there's people out, there was people in that crowd that actually knew me too. All these people are are shouting and getting all fired up. Said, just get honest about that. You are independent separatist Baptists. And I want you to put that on your sign 
because that is who you are and it is time you acknowledge that and that's okay. We'll fellowship with you. We'll have you on the podcast. And then after JC almost wet his pants and he's like, well, maybe, you know, because JC's terrified of me. But so, so, you know, so here's the, he said, we, and he named me specifically, are independent separatist Baptists. Well, here's what's funny about that word separatist. To be a separatist, don't you have to separate from something you were a part of? When did I leave the IFB? Yet these guys, they are the recovering fundamentalists who left the IFB. So who's a separatist? They literally left the IFB, but I'm the separatist. I'm what I was when I was, since I was born. I'm still in the same thing, the same religion. And he's saying that we're the separatists because we don't want to fellowship with heretics, you know, with, you know, the feminine types, all that kind of stuff. And so they accuse us of being the separatists. I was never a part of that. So how can I be a separatist? You separated, but yet they want us to put that on their sign. Guess what? It's not going to happen. Okay. Now, so first off, I didn't, I never separated from the IFB. And these guys are the ones that did. Now, here's this little testimony of myself for those of you that haven't known me for that long, but because I was told recently too, um, you know, that I've been, you know, the enigma was a word that was used that I was an enigma. And that's not the first time somebody's told me that. Basically, a lot of people can't figure me out. And a lot of people accuse me of being, it's because I'm a fake and a fraud and all this kind of stuff. I get, I get called all the names, but I'm going to tell you right now why people struggle figuring me out. Okay, because they shouldn't. I'm very outspoken. I don't sugarcoat anything. You know, I, I talk to anybody. If they'll actually call me up and ask my position, I'll tell them. I've got an atheist that's wanting me to do come on his podcast. And he's been, he keeps telling me, I'm not trying to set you up. And I'm thinking, I'm not worried about it. You know, I'm not sabotaging. I, I, I'm not worried about it. I mean, what, what are you going to do? You know, if you want to allow me on your platform to talk about Jesus and to spread the truth, I'll do it. And as long as they don't start getting, you know, all foul mouthed and perverted and stuff on there, you know, great. You know, how, how's he going to, how do you set me up? You know, all these people that are always watching all my stuff to expose me. Hey, just ask me, ask me what I think. Ask me what I believe. I'll tell you, I, I, I don't sugarcoat anything yet. I'm a mystery. Okay. So why am I a mystery? Why do I confuse people? And here's why I confuse people. And it is because I fellowship with many while not fitting into a specific mold. In most of the IFB, all you got to do is tell them what Bible college you're from and they know everything about you. All you got to do is tell them what camp you're from and they know everything about you. You know, you're, if, you're, if you're from Hiles Anderson, oh, I know everything about you. You're Bob Jones, know everything about you. Oh, you're new IFB. And then they think, I know everything about you. But then they look and they're like, nah, we don't know everything about you. You know, most of the new IB doesn't even like you anymore. Why is that? You know, because I don't fit a specific mold. You know, but, and then I get people in the new IFB accusing me of being two-faced and fake and just trying to use Pastor Anderson. No, I have always fellowshiped with whoever I want to fellowship with. I have always been independent if I see anybody that I feel is loves the Lord and is doing a work for the Lord, I'm for them. Here's the only thing. As long as they're not trying to stop me from doing what I'm doing over here, as long as they're not trying to hinder the work that we're doing over here, then I'm not against them. 
You know, I'm not, I'm not worried about them. And so I'll be friends with pre-trib people as long as they're not going to get all bent out of shape if they hear me making fun of the pre-trib. You know, I'll fellowship with people that think the Jews are God's chosen people as long as they can handle hearing a sermon of me saying the Jews are not God's chosen people. I'll still fellowship with them if they're right in the gospel. If they love the Lord, if, if, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are different than me in some areas, but they have strong points, you know, things that can help me. I think they can make me a better person. You know, there's people out there too that I just like, and I, maybe I want to be a good influence on them. Maybe I just want to be their friend. You know, there, it, it doesn't really matter. And so the thing is, because I don't just do everything like a specific group, everybody's just confused because ever, you know, people, usually people are very predictable in the IFB world because, you know, based on whatever camp they're in, because they are controlled by the politics of that group. And folks, that's just not me. That's not who I am. And my behavior has been very consistent in this area. Yet at the same time, I think it's like five years ago now, you know, here we are, I'm, I'm you know, pastor, I'm over on Ninth Avenue, 40 people in the church. Nobody's paying attention to me on YouTube. I'm preaching. I preach a couple of post-trib messages. And Keith Gomez of a church of over a thousand people, he's got national influence and all this stuff. He finds out I'm post-trib and decides he's got to have a conference debunking all this stuff. He just automatically assumes, oh, he made friends with Anderson. You know, he's running, you know, he, and all he wanted to talk about whenever he would talk to me is Anderson. He didn't want to talk about the Bible. He didn't want me to show me what the Bible says. Just, you know, you're listening to Pastor Anderson. That's all he wanted to talk about because there's no way anybody would preach that unless they had joined this new political group. It's like, I haven't joined the political group. I've never even talked to the guy before. But that's just what he assumed because that's how he is in his world. Because every time you ask him about these things, you know what he does? He starts invoking names like Jack Hiles and Oliver B. Green and Lester Roll. He starts naming names. What's he doing? He's showing his political association. That's what it comes down to. And he doesn't talk about the Bible. So he has this whole conference basically because of me and one guy from Louisiana. He, he told me, because of me and one other guy, he's got to have a whole conference dealing with the IFB getting infiltrated by all this post-trib stuff and literally caused me to lose almost all my friends. I mean, literally, because he did. He wanted me to go to that meeting. I went to that meeting. I listened to Sam Gipp barf his trash. And you know what? I didn't submit to them. I didn't believe, you know, Sam Gibb just wasn't very convincing when he was, you know, when he was trying to justify himself saying that Jesus is not his Messiah. You know, when he got up there and, you know, tried to say, prove that the Gentiles were plan B by showing how they were really supposed to name Jesus Emmanuel, not Jesus, but Mary and Joseph disobeyed, you know, that didn't help me come around on the pre-trib in the pro-Jew stuff. And yet, you know, Gomez looked really bad after that meeting. So instead of him just being like, man, you know, and, and I called him and warned him about using Gip because I was more familiar with Gip's material than he was. And I called and I told him, I said, you don't want to have Gip. He's going to make you look bad. I told him, I said, I don't want to make you, I, I don't want you looking bad. This meeting is going to make you look bad. And he's like, oh, if he tries preaching that stuff, I'll shut the meeting down. Okay. I'm just filling it all out tonight, folks. He said, I'll shut the meeting down. And you know what? He still didn't do it. 
He never shut it down. You know what he did do? After that meeting got over, he turned the live stream off and he told his church, we don't believe that stuff, apologize. I've been told by several preachers that he apologized to a bunch of people. I mean, that he got all kinds of grief for that. But you know what he never did? He never publicly acknowledged it. He never, you know why? Because politically, it would have hurt him. Because politically, he was scoring points because he was attacking Anderson. And, you know, the, and the truth is, it was really disgusting what all happened. And I, and I just remember thinking, how, is, how am I, how do I have enough influence to stir up a, a special conference in a big church like that? I've had Bill, you know, Bill Grady, who I always thought of as a big name because he wrote the book Final Authority on the King James Bible. His name was always mentioned when talking about King James Bible. I've got a video montage of him all over the country talking about me because of one 45-minute conversation we had. Apparently, I'm literally the only person that has ever challenged him on his statement about all Israel being saved, meaning they're all just going to get saved when Jesus Christ returns at his second coming, whether they want to or not. I think I'm the only person that ever challenged him on that. And it's like, and me politely, after he called me to sell his book, after me challenging him on that, I'm getting talked about all over the country like I'm just this terrible person. I mean, it, it really blows my mind. It just shows how fragile these people are. They are very fragile. Um, just this week, or maybe last week, some of you saw the video uh, that one of the Pastor Anderson exposed videos, and he, I started watching that, and I was like, I know that guy, and it was Evangelist Jeremiah Hart, and he was on there, and he's on there, you know, he says, you know, stay away from Stephen Anderson, and then he gets on there, and starts talking about how bad he is because of the Jews and all that stuff, and then he goes and he starts saying, I know a pastor's son. How many saw that one where he starts talking about the pastor's son? Guess who that pastor's son was? It was me. And he started talking about how he went and alienated everyone in his life. Lost all of his friends. Yeah, because I asked Keith Gomez to have that meeting against me. Pretty much. I'm over here just preaching and put my sermons online just like anybody else. I never, I had, I never attacked a single person. I tried to be nice. And yet, he does that and gets everyone to separate from me. And yet, I'm alienating everybody. This guy, Jeremiah Hart, I just, I, I just saw his dad not that long ago at a meeting. I mean, I love this. I, I don't know him real well, but I love his dad. His dad and my dad were friends. I mean, these are people I love, I care about. And he's on there talking about how I'm alienating everybody. I'm like, you're crazy. I'm the one getting alienated. And then... He says on there, I was preaching at a meeting and he showed up at the meeting. This meeting that I showed up at is a pastor. I was just friends with him on Facebook and he invited us to come out to a tent meeting he was having. I'm a nice guy. I love fellowshipping with people. I didn't call that pastor up and say, hey, what's your doctrinal statement? I didn't even go online and read it. I'm just a nice guy. He's an IFB King James guy. I... Let's go to the meeting. I knew he was having Jeremiah Hart. I don't know him real well, but I love his dad. I'm sure he's good too. Let's go. Let's go to the meeting. We take our family. We go to the meeting. He's like, he showed up at the meeting. He's like, I told that pastor. And this pastor doesn't know me real well. But he said, do you know who that is? He's like, well, yeah, I know his name. He's like, do you know what he stands for? And then I, I can't remember what he said, what the pastor said there. And he's just like, 
Tell your men to watch them. And I'm alienating people. And now I'm thinking, I'm alienating people. But now, and here, here's a guy I never had a negative thought towards. In fact, I had positive thoughts towards because I love his family. And yet here he is telling this pastor he needs to have his people watch out for me. You think I'm going to feel comfortable going back there to another meeting or another meeting he's preaching at? That's him alienating me. And you know, that pastor this year had another meeting and I didn't get invited this year. I was kind of disappointed. You know, I enjoyed it last year, but I'm, I'm starting to think I know why now. Because he's, you know why he's getting beat up from his preacher friends for hanging out with a guy he shouldn't be hanging out with. Folks, that's messed up. That's the kind of stuff that I deal with, yet I'm the one that's told I'm the separatist Baptist. I'm the one that's told I'm alienating people. Let me tell you, I don't care about the politics, folks. I don't care about the politics. I preached at a camp meeting church last month. And I didn't share it online. You know why? Because I don't want to get them in trouble from the nut jobs that follow my stuff and are going to want to go critique that church. Okay? I go to different meetings all the time and I don't need to advertise it and show, look where I'm preaching, look who I'm at. I don't, I don't do that stuff because I don't want to cause problems for these people because I understand the political pressure that they are under. But let me tell you something. I'm under no pressure at all. I don't care who sees me at any meeting. I don't care. I just went to one service at the First Baptist in Hammond at the youth conference. You know, get over it, everybody. And I enjoyed it. I've been to several different meetings this year. I don't care about that stuff. But yet, at the same time, people in the IFB are losing their mind over this stuff. And, you know, every, every year we've had soul winning events with other churches that we don't advertise. We don't publicize it. You know why? Because they'll get hammered politically. You know, that's where we met the shepherds the first time. You guys came down to that one meeting. I won't say it online where it was at. But we did. I, I like the pastor there. He likes me. We want to, Let's go have a sewing thing with him. We had a good time. We didn't post pictures on, about it on Facebook. You know why? Because again, I'm not out there just trying to advertise all the places. I'm going, hey everyone, look who we're helping. We don't need to do that. We want to go down there, be a help, be a blessing. We did it. We didn't need to make a show out of it. But at the same time, you know, if I would have, and we, you know, we didn't go down there and try to convert them on anything. We went down and preached people the gospel and we used all their church's materials and pointed people to their church. You know why? Because just trying to be a blessing. That's all I want to do. But if we, I'd have posted any pictures of it, he'd have got hammered. He would have got hammered. And so, you know, I didn't do it to protect him, to protect him, not me. Because the politics are out of control. It's disgusting. And I do. I love having a public ministry. I fully intend to keep what we do public. But you know what? What a shame it is that I am capable of stirring up so much drama without even trying. The amount of drama I stir up without even trying blows my mind. I cannot imagine if I ever tried to stir things up. I can't even imagine what would happen. The people that just, I mean, I'm just destroying their ministry. I'm destroying their churches without even thinking about them. It's like, I don't, I don't even know how that's done, but I get beat up for these things all the time. So here's what we've got to understand. Okay? And I'm sharing all this, just kind of giving testimony. So you kind of know where my heart's at on this stuff. And you guys know how it is. You know how I am with other preachers and with fellowship and things like that. Um, we don't get caught up in the politics stuff here. 
We don't, we don't care. But when you do that, just understand, you just kind of get everybody mad at you. And I think that's ridiculous, but I refuse, I refuse to let people control me and to control our church. If we feel this is what we need to do and what we want to do, then we're going to do it because we are an independent church. We are an independent church and uh, we're going to practice it that, uh, continue that practice. So turn over to 1 Corinthians 3. So here's what you need to understand. When a movement gets political, and let me tell you, the IFB movement, it is, it's political. And I don't mean like politics in government. I mean when it is. It's all about who's who and, you know, where I sit in the social status and what meetings I preach at. But when it happens, when it all becomes centered around a person or a people or a Bible college, whatever it is, it's always because of carnality. Okay, just mark it down. You've got a carnal movement. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are ye not carnal, and walk as men? Now, what, so he's saying you're being like children, you're being like babies, you're carnal, you're not walking like men. Now, why was that? What specifically were they doing that was so carnal, that was so petty, that was so babyish? Here's what they were doing. For while one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? But who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You want to know what I am today? I am the product of many people. And many people throughout, throughout my you know, history, throughout my life, mainly people from my former church and my dad especially, I am a product of that, but not even just my church. There's been many preachers in my life that I have listened to that have been very influential to me. And, I, and they, have been, they have ministered to me and made me who I am. And, you know, my backgrounds and all that, it's unique to everyone else in the world. We've all got different backgrounds, different influences, all of that. But at the end of the day, all those people were, they were just ministers. Ultimately, we are of Christ. And when we get all caught up in the people behind us, when we have to be like Keith Gomez and we can't preach a sermon, you can't preach, especially at a preacher's conference or something, without name dropping. The greats, when you can't preach a sermon without name dropping the greats, you know what? It's because you're carnal, you're political. You can't defend your position when one of your biggest arguments, and this is what he, this is what he told me. I've heard him say this from the pulpit many times. He told me this to my face twice. He said, anything I preach, he's like, I'm looking forward. He's like, but if I can't see Jack Hiles and Oliver B. Green and Lester Rolfe in my rear view mirror, then I know I'm probably going the wrong way. Listen, I don't care if you're looking in a rear view mirror, you're still looking backwards, okay? And you're not looking into Jesus' author and finish of your faith. That's not what you're doing. What, now, what's he doing? He's like, all right, yeah, you're showing me Bible, but let me tell you what I got. I got the greats. Well, okay, you know, so congratulations. You're a part of a denomination, a religion, a political party. Your leaders are dead. I got a living Bible right here that, I, that I'm trying to follow. Folks, that's carnality. And you've got people today, they're doing things in their church that they know are wrong, but yet they would not dare change it because they can't 
dishonor a dead guy. Because they are of this person. They went to this Bible college. They used to go to these meetings. And folks, that's, that's not right. But you know, and we hear a lot of talk about the old IFB versus the new IFB. But let me tell you what the old IFB is to me. Because I do. I love the old IFB. Because here's why. They are ministers. Because remember, what are, who is Paul and Apostle? But ministers by whom he believed. And the old IFB, they are ministers that one, got me saved. And you know, we hear a lot of talk about loyalty to those who got you saved. But boy, how dare you do it to somebody else <laughs> except the one they're talking about at that time. You know, then all of a sudden we got a different story. Okay? But, I, you know, they are the ones who got me saved. Okay? I got saved before there was a new IFB. I didn't know if y'all knew that's possible. But, uh, you know, I, that, that did in fact happen. All right. You know, they are the ones who inspired a love for the Word of God. It was them that made me love the Word of God. It was my dad that made me love the Word of God, that challenged me. It was the preachers that I grew up listening to that got up and just preached the Bible with passion. They pulled things from the Scripture that made me say, you know what, I want to, I want to go read. I want to find that kind of stuff. I want to see that kind of thing. It was the old IFB that did that. I read through the Bible over 20 times before I ever even heard the new IFB. You know why? Because of the old IFB. Because of them. They did that. I'm not going to forget that. They inspired a genuine love for God in my heart. They showed me how to live life. They showed me how to be a good husband. They showed me how to be a good father. They showed me how to pastor a church and how to lead people and how to love people. They showed me how to go out and preach the gospel. They, they're the ones that showed me all that stuff. They taught me faithfulness. They taught me how to stick things out. They taught me how to go somewhere and just stay there and be faithful for a long time and to serve the Lord, how to get through bad times. And I could go on and on and on with things that they showed me. But you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to go and just you know identify myself and label myself with the name of some of those people. But I will tell you this. I thank God for every one of them. They were, I mean, thank God for those ministers who Christ gave to every man. Everybody who has what I have, somebody gave it to them. And for some, it was old IFB that inspired that. The new IFB. You know what the new IFB is to me? There's just ministers there that challenged me to be a better soul winner. They definitely did that. They challenged me on a few doctrines where I needed to be challenged. They taught me how to take attacks. That's one thing I definitely learned from the new IFB how to take an attack and not back down because they get it all the time. And, and thank God for the example they have there. They, you know what else they taught me? They taught me I could make a difference without being a big-name pastor of a large church. And that was one of the things, too, that just that blew my mind. So, you know, when, when Gomez was making such a big deal, I was like, why is he even paying attention to me? You know, I, I never realized the impact, you know, one guy in a small church with a YouTube channel can have. But you know what? You know, guy, you know, people in the new IFB taught me you can do that. Now, here's what's funny about both groups. Both groups get mad about who I fellowship with. You know, because again, for you know, and I'm just going to say this too: loyalty in the new IFB for many people when they talk about loyalty, it starts and ends with Pastor Anderson. Okay, and I, as much as I love the guy, I I love him like any other pastor. I don't have a greater loyalty. But he's the one that gave you all those YouTube subscribers. All of you that are in this church are here just because of his endorsement. You know, I mean, that's what that's what a lot of these people try to tell me. 
And it's just like, you know, that, that's crazy, all right? You know, and then it's like, all this, you know, I'm just, I'm just expected to drop any friend that he has a problem with or that has a problem with him. And it's like, listen, I think a lot of the fighting that goes on in the squabbles are kind of petty and stupid. And a lot of them are none of my business. And I just really don't care because I don't get caught up in the political stuff. You're just trying to play both sides. You're just two-faced. You're just a bleeding heart. You, got, you know all the accusations they get thrown out there. You're just a compromiser. No, I just don't care. I, I just really don't care. If I like a person, I like a person. Your thoughts on that person do not change my thoughts on that person. It's, it doesn't do that. And if you just can't handle that, by all means, kick me out of whatever you think I've joined. Because I never tried to join anything. Hey. I always thought I was an independent Baptist. And, and you know, and it's not really been Pastor Anderson that's done that. It's people who act like they're speaking for him. Who always act like they're defending him because they haven't got the guts to just come after me in their own name. They got to make sure they know well, I'm just I can't you know, defending Pastor Anderson. No, you're not. You're just invoking his name. You know why? Because it's political. You have joined a political party. And so you need to make him feel like you're fighting for him so he won't turn around and say something negative against you. Folks, look, I've been in the IFB my whole life. That's how this stuff works. That's why people name drop. When, you have, when, when you're going after somebody and you have to name drop, okay? When, Pat, when Aaron Thompson's going after me in his sermons for absolutely no reason, he has to constantly name drop Roger Jimenez and Pastor Anderson because he can't do it by himself. He has to name drop. Okay? Now, let me tell you, I'm saying that about him, and I don't need to name drop anybody. I don't need to say who's on my side. I don't care. I don't need anybody on my side. Okay? I don't need it. He does. And so that's why, they do the, that's why they do the name drops. That's why, and I could go on and on with goons that have attacked me and like gone out. You know, even, you know Peter James, when he went after me on that one podcast, he tried to make it out like I was going after Pastor Anderson or something. It's like, no, I'm attacking nutjob mouths in the new IFB that are constantly running their mouths, constantly criticizing people. But no, they always got to try to pull him in it. You know what? It's, that's called politics, folks. That's politics. That's why they do this. So they can show that I am aligned with this individual and therefore, you know, I'm protected by them. You know what that just tells me? It tells me you're not independent. That's what that tells me. You have no independence. And truth is, I, you know, I don't look at who's in good with what group when figuring out what to do with them. I don't really care. Okay? I don't really care. And you know what? When everybody loses their minds, I saw that Michael Johnson's preaching for Adam Fannin this week. Oh man, I mean, people are going to, you know, they're going to blow their tops. Okay. Brother Tommy, what do you think about that? I don't care. <laughs> Not really interested in that. <laughs> well, would you do that? No. You know, so, you know, it doesn't really matter. I'm not him. I'm not either of those guys. But yet, we're, boy, a lot of people are going to give their opinion about that. You know why? No independence. No one, and, and busybodies and, you know, being old ladies and things like that. But 
again, it's just this is the reason the eye of B is this way. It is because of insecurity, insecurity. That's what it all comes down to. It's insecurity. And a preacher who is secure in his beliefs, he's not afraid to actually stand somebody to the face. Okay. And actually call them up. Okay. And again, a public YouTube video is not withstanding them to the face. When you never even called them up, okay, you didn't withstand them to the face. Okay. And I, I think, I think withstanding somebody over the phone counts us to the face. Okay. We have that ability today. I get it. If, if you withstand me over the phone, I'll count it as to the face. And congratulations. You confronted me to the face. Now that I've sinned according to you, rebuke me before all, by all means. You know, we'll, we'll be fine. But again, you know, when you, if I just go out and I'm just making a YouTube video and I, against somebody and I never even attempted to talk to him, I can't act like I was stood to the face. I can't compare myself to Paul and Peter in that situation. So a preacher his, who is secure in his beliefs does not have to lie and misrepresent. You don't have, you don't have to do that. At Romans chapter 3 and verse 4, and this is where the manipulation comes in. Okay, This is why preachers need to manipulate and it's because of the politics. When you are motivated by politics, when it is not a core belief, when it is not Bible, and let me tell you something, you can be dead right on an issue but be preaching it because of political pressure. We got a lot of King James only people that are King James only because of political pressure. We got people who soul win only because of political pressure. We got people that are even against the homos probably because of political pressure. You know, in the new IFB, you got to be against those things. And you know what? Some are against it out of, you know, conviction. Some are are against it out of convenience or out of necessity in order to stay in good with the club. And, you know, how do I know which they are? People who go over the top and are not consistent across the board in their teaching, they're teaching the right thing for political reasons. That's a subject for another day. Uh, when you have no balance, it's because it's not real. So that's another subject for another day. But, uh, so when you actually are secure, when you actually believe what you're teaching, you know what? You don't have to lie and misrepresent. You're ready to just tell the truth. You're ready to put it out there. I don't have to worry about getting stuff. You know what I don't do? Whenever people call me up, I don't ask them, are you recording this phone call? <laughs> and I've had some preachers do that when I'm talking to them. Are you recording this? And let me just say this. I have a policy. I will not record a phone call without telling the person I'm recording a phone call. And here's why. Because that's a coward's way. I'll record a phone call if I feel I need to. But you'll know about it. Okay? You, you will know about it. That's just my policy. But uh, Romans 3, 4 says, God forbid... Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness commend at the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner, and not rather as we be slanderously reported? And as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. Now, I'm not going to go into everything that was being said about them there. But Paul right here is very clear showing that they were lying about what he said. They were slanderously reporting their teaching because Paul was teaching a free salvation, one without works, 
oh, well, if that's what you believe, then you know, you're just saying people can just go and get saved and you know, go kill 50 people and still go to heaven. You know, you know all the things that we hear. You know, that's, that's the kind of thing that was being said about Paul. People, because they could not refute the truth of what Paul was teaching, they used extreme examples saying Paul's encouraging everybody to do evil just because grace is going to cover them. That's not what Paul did. Paul preached hard against sin. And we do the same thing, don't we? Just because we believe in eternal security does not mean we encourage people to sin. But yet, that's what the opposition always says when talking about our position on eternal security. They always come up with these weird hypotheticals and things. What are, what are they doing? They're trying to manipulate people because they don't want their people in their congregation believing some of these things. So let's go lie and misrepresent what people are saying. And let me tell you, that's what people do. When you see Bill Grady out there talking about me, he's not telling the truth about, about my position. I mean, when you hear all these preachers out there talking about the new eye of beers and what they teach about the Jews, they never even get it right how we teach it. They never even get it right how we, what we teach about the rapture. Why is that? Because they can't defend their position. They've got people in their church that are listening to our preaching and are getting converted over to these things. And instead of them just proving where they're right and we're wrong, you know what they do? They got to use manipulative tactics. And what do they do? They lie and they misrepresent. Well, that's very dishonest. And the truth is, if I am confident in what I believe and what I teach, I don't need to lie. You know what I want to do? When I'm debunking heretics, give me something, give me a sermon of theirs, give me something that they've written, and I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to show you from the Bible how they're wrong. And you know what I always do too, whenever I'm trying, you know, if I'm debunking a Calvinist, you know where I want to go? First place I want to go is not John 3.16. I want to go to Romans 9. That's where I want to go. I want to go to their passage. Why? Because I want to show exactly where they are wrong. But yet, we've got people out there trying to disprove what we believe about the Jews, yet you can't find them preaching on Galatians 3 and 4. I mean, you can't find it anywhere. Why is that? You know why? They're manipulating their people. They're scaring them. They're giving their scare talks in their church, talking about how you know these preachers' kids' lives are getting ruined, you know, and they're just all alone in the world because they went and said a horrible thing about God's people. And here's what I don't know. When he said I was saying all the kinds of hateful things against God's people, was he talking about God's people as in believers or God's chosen people as in the Jews? I don't know for sure with that guy, uh, what, what he was talking about. Because I definitely said some things against the Jews, uh, but I haven't said anything against God's people. So, uh, you know, a preacher who is secure in his beliefs, he doesn't need to manipulate. Okay? And, and, and to manipulate means to influence skillfully, especially in an unfair manner. Again, if I just get up here and I'm just misrepresenting some position and then dropping the microphone like I just really you know, debunked them when I didn't. Okay? But yet, oh man, he looks awful confident about what he said. He must be right. Okay? That's, that's manipulation. We're not, we shouldn't do that. The Apostle Paul um, in Acts 20, verse 26, says, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Paul wasn't afraid of any part of the Scripture. Paul didn't need to you know, ignore certain parts of the Bible. He's like, I'm ready to show you everything. I haven't shunned anything. But you know what? In the IFB, they often treat their people like they're not ready for certain information. Well, I preach on Galatians 3 and 4, but you're not ready for it yet. 
You know, you haven't got Malachi down in, you know, chapter 3 in the tithing. You know, once we get you down on that, you know, then we might go to Galatians, uh, you know, 3 and 4. That's kind of how they are. But, you know, and we, you know, and we do need to be careful not to unload the truck all at once. But as a pastor, I should be anxious to share everything. Because the Apostle Paul, we went to 1 Corinthians 3. He said, I fed you with milk, not meat. But you know what else Paul said? I want to give you the meat. He's like, and he's rebuking them for not being able to take the meat. But in a lot of IFB churches today, they're rebuking for people for asking for the meat. Now, we're just going to talk about the love of God again. We're just going to talk about the woman taking an adultery to prove the homos are okay now. You know, we're just going to talk about, you know, they, that, that's the kind of thing that they do. Why? Because they're scared. You know, Paul wanted to tell, every, tell them everything. And many in the IFB, to try to force you into submission or into accepting the truth, you know, they will, so they will use any means necessary. They will threaten to you know, excommunicate you, all those things. But, you know, the truth is, why do we have, why, why do we have to force these things? Because, you know, you can't force people to just believe something. You can't do it. You know, I, you can't, you can't force somebody to get saved. How do you force somebody into believing on Christ? How can you, you can't do that. But yet, they'll try to do it. Romans 14, 4 says, Who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yet he should be holding up. For God is able to make him stand. One day man esteemeth another day above another, one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He's saying, listen, you need to figure these things out and you need to get persuaded on it. But a lot of churches, they're not okay with that. And you know, and we don't even have time to go into some of the Baptist distinctives. But let me just remind you about some Baptist distinctives that I mean are why we are independent too that yet these things cannot be found in a lot of independent Baptist churches. But first off, we believe in the autonomy or the self-governing power of the local church. We believe in that. Yet look how much influence other churches often have in supposedly autonomous churches. Isn't that interesting? You know, we believe that every local church should be independent of a hierarchical framework or outside governmental structure. I, I don't think there's an independent Baptist church in the world or pastor that would disagree with that statement, yet I'm still expected to be more loyal to certain preachers. Wait a minute. I thought we didn't have a hierarchical structure. Okay. It's not about the man. If I do something a little bit different than one man, I might be wrong, but if, I, if I'm wrong, it's because I'm off on the Scriptures not because I am being disloyal to a man. Where does that fit in to anything that the Bible teaches when it comes to in separate churches? That doesn't make any sense at all. Yet people are very uh, caught up in that. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. God's word assures believer that we have direct access to God through our relationship with Christ. And we believe and we teach that, that the priesthood of the believer is a very special privilege that every child of God has, yet a lot of people act like, you know, we, you know, what would we do without all these dead preachers that everybody's naming all the time? You know, so how, how does that priesthood of the believer fit in when we're dependent and we have to follow these things by these people when supposedly too, they say we have the perfect scriptures. You know, they say they believe every word of this King James Bible, yet we still have to have those guys' books. In order to understand the Bible, I don't, I don't understand that. We believe in separation of church and state. 
The state should have no power to intervene in the free expression of religious liberty, yet we're supposed to be loyal to people who want to tell us exactly how to operate in church, who we can fellowship with, get all mad at us if we have the wrong person in the church, or I go preach to the wrong person. Um, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, we believe in individual soul liberty. You know, every person must make that personal de- decision to believe on Christ. You cannot make somebody do it. It's, and this is, this is a very important thing, yet we are seeing none of this in Baptist churches today. Everything is influenced by politics. And say a person, um, you know, so you know, why would a pastor just want people to accept what they say when they don't understand it? Why would you want somebody to say a prayer when you're out soul winning when you can tell they don't even understand it? I want them to understand it because I want them to actually get saved. If they don't believe in their heart, they're not going to get saved. I don't care what they say. And why, why would a pastor be any different in that area? You know, someone who is secure in what they believe, they're anxious to teach about it because they are convinced that they could win over anyone who will just listen to them. Isn't that how we feel out soul winning? Don't you love it when that person says, when you ask, hey, can I give you, just take a few minutes and show you what the Bible says about how you can know for sure you're going to heaven? And they say, yes. Don't you just get excited every time? Why? Because it's like, all right, all of a sudden, I don't know about you, I have hope. I'm like, I think this person might get saved. Now, why do we think that? Because it's so clear in the Bible what a person's got to do to be saved. It's so easy to get saved. Why wouldn't they? And obviously, you know, a lot of times people don't because they just, they don't believe it. And you know what happens every time? We're disappointed. We walk away and it's like, man, it's so easy and they missed it. But we're, but you see how anxious we are to do this. So again, it's the same thing when it comes to other doctrines in the Bible. A preacher should be able to get up and he should have this attitude that folks, man, let me, I I found proof. I finally found how, how to interpret Galatians 3 and 4 so we can stop them new IFB beers. All right. And, and then they get up and say, Here, here's what, here's what the new IFB people say. They teach, they believe that they are children of Abraham by faith. They believe that it's the children of promise that are counted for the seed, meaning those of faith like Isaac was. And they that are of the flesh, they believe that those are not the children of God. Just the children of promise. And they believe that we then, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. And so, in their mind, in their warped thinking, they think it doesn't matter, Jew or Gentile, bond or free. It's all about Christ. That's what makes you Abraham's seed. Now, I have no idea what they're going to say after that to prove that we're wrong. But, I'd be sure interested to hear what they have to say after they just said all those things. But you know what? They all just want to say God hates it. They, they think God hates the Jews. You know, they think oh, they're saying God's done with Israel. You know, all, all this stuff. You know, they they just say all these things that misrepresent what we believe, and it's just like, come on, somebody at least make a good attempt. And and they just they can't do it. But and you know what? I don't get that. And you know what? At the same time, I do get that because I understand. You know, you know, as a preacher. They make a big deal about a lot of these conferences and stuff. And it's like it's the goal of all these preachers to get the hobnob with the big names and go to this meeting and preach at that place and have this person preach for you. And folks, if you don't go along, you'll lose it all. You know, this is what I've had several preachers that said this to me before. It finally clicked what they were saying. It finally clicked. They kept telling me, 
You know, Brother Tommy, I know all these preachers that went post-trib like you and they lost their ministries. And I remember thinking, you know, well, that stinks. Like, I, th- I thought that meant they started preaching that and their whole church just fell apart. That's what I thought that meant. And then one day, I was talking to a pastor and he said the same thing. And I, all of a sudden, it, I, it was, but this time it was about repentance. And I knew who he was talking about. When he said that, I actually knew, because usually when they talk about post-trib, I would say, who was it? And they can never give me any names. No, you know, they know dozens. And they can never give me one name. But in this one situation with repentance, I knew who he was talking about. I did get a name. And then all of a sudden it hit me what he meant. Because this guy didn't lose his ministry. He's still pastoring his church. His church is doing just fine. You know what that meant? It meant he didn't get to write, have his sermons in the Sword of the Lord and revival fires anymore. It meant he didn't get to preach at the big meetings anymore. It meant he got kicked out of the club. It meant he got booted from the political party. That's what that meant because this preacher too that said this is one who's very connected politically. One who preaches at a lot of big meetings and is very well known. And if you do, if you preach some of the things that we preach, you're kicked out of the group. But you know what? I just, I want to be able to be honest when I get behind the pulpit. There's enough pressure and enough challenges as a pastor. I don't want to have to deal with manipulating and people and just lying to people. I want to at least be able to be honest. And I want to be able to get up with confidence and say, look what I learned. Look, look, look what the Bible says. I don't want to be scared that somebody's going to ask me about Romans 9 or some other passage. I want to be, I want to be ready for it. And, I, and that's my attitude. But unfortunately, sometimes in the IFB, we have things wrong. And you know what we have to do? We have to actually be loyal to the scriptures and not loyal to the great men of the past and all their failures and all their faults. We can't be that way. And so actually teaching people, it takes time and it takes patience. Paul said, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Do you know people don't always get it right away? There's been a lot of things I've preached before and then later I'm talking to people and it's like, oh, they didn't get that. There's a lot of things that I got up and I felt like, man, I straightened our church out in this issue. And then it's like, you talk to people and it's like, I didn't straighten people out in this issue. You know, I had it down, but you know, and, and that's not your fault. Sometimes we don't, you know, I just, I didn't present it as good as I thought it would. What, what was happening in my head was brilliant, but what came out of my mouth, maybe not so much, you know? And so, you know, that, that happens. So, you know, when that happens, I don't just declare the whole church stupid. You know, I, I, well, all right, let's try this again. And it, it takes time. And so what we're seeing today, what's being called strong leadership in churches today is anything but strong leadership. It's lazy leadership. Preachers just want to be able to get up and say it. And that's the end of it. You know what? You know, you know, they want to get up. They want to tell you how to dress. And that's the end of it. Well, can you show me from the Bible? No, just do it. Well, you know, why? You know, and they, they can't. They don't know how. It's, that's lazy. And here's what drives me crazy. There's a lot of things the IFB preaches, and it's just like, just do what I say. But it's like, there's so much Scripture. Why don't you use the Scripture? You can actually prove these things if you do a little bit of study, but they don't do any study. And so they just get out there and they say dumb stuff. And then they make the position look bad. And manipulation, it is, it's often the only way 
a pastor is able to get his church to follow something. And I do. I believe deep down, you know, they want to get these things right. They'd like to fix some of their doctrines, but it would it would destroy them politically if they did. And you know what? They just need to get back to actually being independent. That's what they need. That's what they need to get back to. And if they don't, you know what they're going to do? They're going to keep doing the same dumb stuff. They're going to keep preaching stupid things. They're going to keep getting infiltrated by the new IFB and all of their teaching. They're going to keep having, all, you know, they're, they're going to keep losing their people to the trendies. They're going to they're going to constantly lose people if they don't get these things right. And what they just need to do is they need to dump the politics and say, you know what? It's time for me to just get up and preach the truth, even if it hurts. Even if it hurts, I'm going to get up and I'm going to preach the truth and I at least want to be able to go to bed with a clear conscience knowing that what I said was from the Word of God. And I believe if they get back to that, I think it would fix so many problems. A lot of the problems where the IFB struggling, there's so many things we could have talked about and I'm sure a lot of people are going to be mad at all the things I didn't name. And I just, you know, I don't have time to name everything. Okay, But I hope, I, what, I, what I try to do in these messages is get to like the core issues and where the problems are. And because if we'll fix some of these things, I believe it'll fix everything else. If we would fix the political thing, it would fix a lot of the cover-up stuff. That's all political too. Everybody protects those that are in their own party. But you know, then they'll throw other people under the bus. That's not right. We, we can't be that way. We've got to get back to the being truly independent, and I believe the Lord will protect us. And I hope, I hope He'll do that. I really hope these messages have made an impact in this church because we've got to set things up right. The IFB model is broken in many areas and we've got, and you know what? Here's a great thing. We are allowed to fix it. And you know what? People will criticize it. You know, we'll get, we'll get some criticism. And guess what? We're used to it. We're, we are used to it. I have had the privilege of being subject matter in so many conferences now. I'm losing track. Without even trying. And, but you know what? We're free to do what we want to do here. And we're not worried about who's looking over our shoulder. And we're going to do what's right. And I believe God is going to continue to bless. So with that, let's pray, dear Lord. Thank you again, Lord, for the guidance that you've uh, laid out in your word. I pray you will help us to follow these things, Lord. I, I pray that these messages um, will make an impact in this church, that people will realize that these are very serious things. Lord, as much as we love the IFB, uh, it's got some faults in many areas. And Lord, I pray you'll help us uh, as an individual church to fix those things here where we actually do have authority and that we will follow you to the best of our ability. In your name we pray. Amen.